Welcome to another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the uh, podcast. Um, it is not about you. I am Jamal Harrington. With me, per usual, is uh, Marianne Riley. Hi, Marianne. Hello. Hello. And, and also with us, our resident nerd, tech guy, um, guy who keeps this uh, podcast together, going, um, always have some funny stories as well, always says, hey, let's push the podcast. Um, the, the guy with the... <laughs> The, the, the guy who's the voice of reason with this podcast, believe it or not, and when I say voice of reason, I mean voice of reason, uh, our cousin, <laughs> cousin Todd. Thank you. And um, before I introduce our guest, I do want to talk about, um, I do want to say what, I do want to say something. Um, as, <laughs> so what the, I don't know if you guys follow sports, but, but, but I do, and I know Marianne does, and um, something had a... Yay, Something. sports! Yeah, well, it's more, it's less about sports and more about, here's the thing, uh, John Gruden of the Las Vegas Raiders recently, quote-unquote, resigned from his position because of seven years of emails that were racially and bigotried, if that's even a word, charged, and um, he had to step down. Well, he didn't have to step down. Uh, it was probably in his best interest that he stepped down. I don't know how a uh, a general manager and um, an owner would feel having a person who bears that kind of hate, according to what you know what sources were saying about the emails. Um, and, and 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 that was a big shock to me because I actually you know like John Gruden. I thought he's a, a very fun coach. I thought um, it's I, I like actually uh, his quarterback on his team, but. It's one of those things that you have to be very careful what you do and say these days. You know what I mean? If that even makes sense. Um, mm -hmm. Whatever emails that you think that, you know, whatever conversation you think that might be in private or, you know, things do have a way of leaking out. You know what I'm saying? Things do have a, like, we've talked about things that, uh, you know, look at yourself now when you were on Facebook or Twitter or, you know, any of the social media uh, outlets and then look at yourself like, like, like 10 years ago versus now, you know, um, I don't, I, I think it's, I mean, and, and again, like seven years harboring this kind of, uh, this kind of hate. I'm like, you know, black people are in the NFL, right? Um, <laughs> like they play too. <laughs> you know, like, a little like, bit, yeah. Like, Just like, a little like, bit. Unless you like, unless you're completely colorblind, I mean, like, there's a large percentage of black people that play. In, and then, like, I thought to myself, well, this quarterback is white. But th then again, I'm like, that that doesn't matter. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, um, and I, again, I like his quarterback. Unless his quarterback, uh, unless him and his quarterback have, like, some racially charged, uh, I, which, I, which I highly doubt. But nonetheless, it's, um, you know, you're not the same person you were on social media than you are. 10 years ago, and I, and I, it's funny because I see this because, so, like, Facebook memories, they show you the memories of three years ago, five, like, like all the way in the past, and then I look at them, you know, especially, like, 10, 11 years ago, and I'm like, oh, wow, I posted that 11 years ago? Like, 
thank God I'm not, or thank God I'm not that person, or you know what I'm saying, or or at least I've evolved as a person. You know what I'm saying? Right. Like we we you gotta you gotta evolve. I mean, if you're a child, uh, well, Marianne, you're in your forties, so if you're <laughs> If, if you're if so going back to like you know your 30s you're not going to be the same people are confused i would hope you know? not i think that if you if if that's one of the one of the beauties of being a, a a sentient being is that we can look at things and we can evolve we can go i don't think the same way today that i thought when i was 20 25 30 16 i mean any of that stuff um my anniversary is coming up this my four-year anniversary of quitting smoking is coming up this the end of this month. And one of the things that got me to quit smoking was I, I actually took a hard look and I, I introspection and I was asked myself, what else do I do that I did when I was 16? Nothing. There's nothing else that I do that I did when I was 16 years old. So why would I still continue to smoke? You know, that was a choice that I made as a teenager, as a kid. You know, and it was, and I was able to evolve. That that went a long way for me. Going, you know, this is a stupid habit to have. And so there's other things too. You know, like believe it or not, there's times that, like I, and I say this all the time. As a white person, I have to check my racial biases all the time. I ask myself, but that's something as as an adult human being that's a sentient creature. I can say is this truly my beliefs or is this some kind of racial bias that has been um i've absorbed from my demographics or just the people i'm around and that's something you know there are times that i go wow that was really racist that was really like a a, a racial uh imprint from something that wasn't how i feel and i i checked myself and i ex examined that and I was able to go, okay, that's stupid, and reroute myself. And there are times that, you know, we have to do that. We have to have that introspection. We have to ask ourselves, is this truly how I believe? Or is this some, a product of my environment that I'm around? And this is a bias that I don't even know. And that even goes as far as like being police officers. Like, how is it that our interaction with police officers and our thoughts about police officers, we can, we can ask ourselves, you know, what do, where do we get our opinions? Is it from our own personal experiences or the media around us or the things that we're watching that's around us? For instance, watching TV and we go, well, that's the cops. Sometimes the cops have to beat the bad guys just to get the job done. But that's not, in reality, that's not, that's not true. And how we feel that like cops, how their interaction, but we've people who've never interacted with a police officer, they they don't know, so they have to do, where do they get their information? They get it from the media that's fed to them or the things that are told to them or the images that they see, the, right? The algorithms that feed them the same shit that they post. Exactly. And so without questioning yourself, how is it, how do you expect to grow and how do you expect to be able to interact with um other environments, people that don't look like you, people that don't do the same kind of work that you do or step out of those those little confines that you're in. Well, I mean, I think in some a lot of cases, 
like when we talk about when we do talk about racism, it is brought down. It is, you know, parents pretty much, you know, it starts off with the parent. You know what I'm right. saying? It's yeah. it's the way that they were raised. Um, it's the it's, you know, probably the part of America where they were raised, you know, like a lot of people now, I you know. I know sometimes I poke fun of the South, but not everybody in the South is racist, believe it or not. There's actually people down there who are good old nice kin folk, you know, country folks that are actually very genuine. Not I, I like every time I say something, oh, I'm gonna go down to North Carolina. Why would you want to go down to North Carolina? I'm like, um, because I like North Carolina and people are nice there. Like, believe it or not, not every not everywhere below Maryland <laughs> you know, is, is, is 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 like now. As I said before, does it exist? Oh, hell yes, it does. But not everybody is, you know, like open. I've, I've never went to a place in the South Get and, a rope. and like 90% of the time was like, oh, there's another one. Like, you know, they don't they do not do that. You know what I'm saying? Like, they don't point to me and be like, oh, they just moving on in and, and shit like that. I'm like, no, I'm just visiting. You guys are lucky. And maybe I'm lucky because I don't live here and I don't have to deal with the shit that, you know, you know, some folks that are used to it are like, ah, oh, that's just Mr. Jenkins. He calls me the N-word all the time. I'm kind of used to it by now. That's how we oh say it. Oh, my like, God. Like, that's not, that's not <laughs> what I want to experience. But but, but I do, I, I, it's not, but for the most part, you know, because every time I meet somebody who is who is openly racist, even if they're like, even if it seems like they're joking, but you're like deep down like, nah, this motherfucker really hates Jews or this motherfucker really hates, you know, Indian people. Um, sometimes I wonder, I'm like, wow, you got this from somewhere. Like, mm-hmm. you, this this didn't, you didn't just like open up a, you didn't just like, yeah, you got you either got it from like the people you hang out with or you got it from, from your parents. You It didn't, like a light bulb didn't strike in your head and you're just like, you know what? I think today I'm just going to hate, you know, the brown people. Like, no, it comes from somewhere. And it's and it's yeah. it's ignorance that is perpetuated through, I mean, their great, their parents passed it down and then their parents before that. Hey, marry within your own race. Do not marry outside your country. You want to keep that bloodline pure, you know, right. Jethro. Um, keep that tree from forking. You know, so... <laughs> So it, that I mean that's that's where stuff like this that's where stuff like and I always think oh well, I wonder what was your upbringing like you know like you know so when someone talks like that I'm just like hey by the way where are you from you know oh Montana <laughs> I don't need any more follow up questions like yeah. you know like okay this makes up this makes a lot of sense and um, I know we did last week we did the whole you know the most uh, racial uh, hate groups in the country and Montana was number one um, but. And 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 I and I told one of my uh, you know my coworkers like we were talking about it and they're just like what was number one and people were like oh, I bet it was Texas I bet it was Texas first of all I'm glad Texas is not on there maybe Texas was like you know 18 or 19 but I'm so glad Texas wasn't on the top of the list but However, but I was like I was like it's Montana and they're just like oh would have never like would I'm like look the only black people that go that live in Montana are the ones that probably go to their colleges and play football. Like and as soon as they graduate, I don't think they're sticking around. They're driving dude. through. <laughs> oh, they get they get arrested though, so they're the jails. Um, oh right, yeah. You know they're like, why'd you pull me over for? I was only I was driving the speed limit. And next thing you know, this like uh, black population plus one, you know, and then they have like a sub one that's like jailed. Um, but let's uh let's say hello to our guest. Yeah. Let's- Hey, let's let's get to our guest. Because I'm very curious on what his uh, 
what his thoughts are on now our guest now is as actually in India so this is our first international um recording you know recording from a guy from a gentleman who just woke up he's also a fellow podcaster <laughs> he's also a fellow producer um he did a, a some zoom shows during the pandemic and I was lucky to get on on it uh, please give it up for, I'm going to butcher your name. No, I'm kidding. Uh, Sushil Ganesh. Hey, thanks, Jamal. It's uh, amazing to be on this uh, on this podcast. And there's a lot to unpack there, like in terms of, um, uh, you know, belief systems and how our, we are conditioned by our environment. Uh, it's true because uh, I, I lived in India for 25 years. And uh, I think... I had a certain set of beliefs, and then I moved to the U.S. Uh, for a few years, and then and then I realized that you know the world is so much bigger, and uh, being with people from different backgrounds really helps challenge assumptions. And I wonder why uh, some people, uh, you would imagine, because U.S. is so multicultural that you know people would be like, oh, we want to understand other cultures, but is there an element of people taking that for granted and? Uh, not really going out of their comfort zone. Um, and you're right, like, as someone who lived in North Carolina, not everyone is a raging uh, racist with, oh. <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, it is It is something which is kind of nuanced, uh, understanding where, like, these beliefs come from. And the thing with technology these days is that if if you start off with, like, even, like, a tiny bit of bias... The technology actually uh, pushes you further down that rabbit hole of bias yeah. to keep you engaged. Yeah. Like I noticed that I downvoted like one of the uh, videos from the Young Turks yesterday because it was it was talking shit about stand-up comedy. Oh, can I curse on this? Oh yeah, yes. fucking say whatever you want, <laughs> <Okay>. dude. <laughs> <laughs> so they're talking crap about like uh, Dave Chappelle, hot topic right now, and I was like. This is ridiculous. They know nothing about comedy. And then I downloaded it. And they started showing me, sh like, like really Republican shit, anti-vaxxer BS on YouTube. And I was like, I don't uh, want to see this. I, I've actually seen a lot of Young Turks, largely because I would go down the rabbit hole of Karen videos, and they do a lot of those. But uh, they, they're not fans of, of Republican and Trump specifically. <coughs> so, um, I mean, if someone was... On, was talking up you know the good that trump did on the young turks they, they weren't uh they weren't a normal part of the of that network so i have to ask i have to ask Sushil, so in india what is like in america recent because we have so many different cultures here and we have so many different skin tones i want to say you know from from like glow in the dark white like cousin todd and i yeah. All the way. <laughs> That's well. I mean, so she'll you you'd know that as Irish. We're Irish, so yes, we yeah. we glow so in the dark. Irish. Yeah, and that's how we were raised. But so, like, I know, like, when I go home to Ireland and, and I listen to the news in Ireland and a lot of the the racism, because in Ireland it's the same thing. There's not a lot of other people that don't that have look different. The race, the the the, um, the discrimination is against like different classes and different religions, not so much the race. Because I, I feel that people as a whole has a tendency to take people who look or act different than them 
and that's where they have that discrimination from. So what would what does discrimination look like in India as far as like is it more of a cultural or is it more of a skin tone? I mean, just like race, it's like a construct, right? You can construct discrimination on any theme. So we have many religions in India. So there's Hindu-Muslim tension. Uh, we have like an old caste system, which is in, uh, it was based on, I mean, the caste system wasn't, I don't know if I say something and it, it could sound like ignorant, but I think the intention somewhere was to kind of have like a division of labor or, you know, uh, categorization of different types of classes around that. But then that became like an entire reason to discriminate because the class, the caste which were doing like uh, respectable jobs, like being priests and being soldiers and whatnot, they were respected. But the ones who were doing like uh, the manual labor of cleaning and, and you know, uh, taking care of the sewers or something, like that, they were discriminated against. Uh, there's like uh, discrimination between North Indian and South Indian. I mean, you're saying that maybe there are not like so many different skin tones, but there's like, there's brown, there's dark brown, there's really right. light brown. Right. <laughs> and right. these levels also become like levels of discrimination. So, um, right. um, and that's not too uncommon. Yeah. That's not too much different than what it is like in the African-American or the black community. I don't like to say an African-American because not all black people are from Africa. From the, the, the black community, it's the same kind of thing. It's that division of from the light skin to the dark skin and that, that division between and the discrimination amongst like a light skinned or better than the dark skinned or the dark skinned, you know? So, I mean, I think that we as humans, we're always trying to find a difference, somebody who's different and finding a way to elevate ourselves because yeah. we, we hold ourselves in a higher esteem for, well, because I have a better job or I have a, a better, you know, it's a more respectable kind of job than right. you know, like even construction, like, you know, a banker looks at themselves as a better class of people than somebody who works in construction, even though that construction worker makes twice as much as that banker type stuff. You know, it's the same kind of, I think, of mentality. Yeah, I think uh, there's also a degree of like, um, if you don't, if you don't, if you don't belong to a group, then are you like headless? Are you like uh, alone? Uh, this fear of being alone and not being associated with anyone. So I think. Sometimes we uh, just go along with that because if if you don't like identify with any belief system, then you might be shunned by this set of people who you hold dear yeah. to you or something like that. And, and maybe there's something some um, uh, some to some degree that could be what is happening. Yeah. Right. But and I think but I think that you know for whatever reason. We as humans always are trying to classify ourselves and mm -hmm. put ourselves in different groups and, and elevate ourselves instead of trying to find ways, you know, looking for the differences instead of trying to find ways that will bring us together. And I don't think that it's, I, I honestly feel that it's, uh, it's like that upper echelon who's trying to maintain their, their position by having all the lower people fighting amongst themselves. Right, mm -hmm. and like with our government and shit, that that is is that's my my conspiracy theory, and I'm sure there's some truth to it. But anyway, so the other I I do want to ask you some questions because I'm very interested in. So you live in India. What brought you to the U.S. when you were here? You lived here for a while. What brought you here? Money, freedom. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but uh, truth be told, I mean, uh, so. 
I, I did some contemplation about this. Uh, we were talking on uh, one of the podcast episodes, we were talking about this prescribed life that we live out. Like everyone, uh, most people before realizing it, they realize that, oh, uh, I have to uh, work a job. I have to make an, uh, this amount of money. I have to buy a house, have family, have kids, uh, financial freedom, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, when I was working in India, I wasn't, work uh, I wasn't earning as much as I would have liked. And uh, at the time, uh, I'm from a middle-class family, so my sister had gone to the US when I had just graduated from uh, undergrad. And um, I couldn't go to the US uh, when so many of my classmates went because there was already like a loan and a mortgage on the, on the apartment that we live in. So it was like, oh, we have to, you know, I can't take out another loan uh, kind of situation. So I waited a few years, got some work experience. Then I realized that I don't really like the work culture and, and it was really toxic for me. So I just wanted to kind of uh, seek a better life. I mean, at least my belief of a better life was that if I go to grad school I, I, and uh, get my master's and then work in a, uh, in a reputed uh, tech company, then my life would be uh, sorted out. It'll be set and I'll be happily ever after. Uh, so <laughs> I, I came here in, uh, in 2014. And I did go to North Carolina, uh, North Carolina, in, uh, and <laughs> yeah, I was in Raleigh, uh, and I, I went to NC, NC State to get a computer science degree, and uh, then I moved to Seattle, uh, which is where I met Jamal uh, <coughs> at Laughs Comedy Club. So uh, it was the promise of a better life, or at least the perception of a better life, and um, a lot of stuff happened, and I, I would not take away from that experience, but. It's funny that the the narrative that we tell ourselves that we need to go here, we need to move to a different place to have a better life. Yeah. And that's true. You know, like Todd and I, our, that's why our grandmother came to America, yeah. was to have a better life, to make more money and, and money home. But to me, I, I think that, that the amount of courage that takes, and, and the industry that I work in, in construction, where I work with a lot of Hispanics and a lot of people who move here from, from Mexico, I am in awe of how much it takes to, like, I've moved to Nevada and to Utah. I've moved to other states. And to me, that was a huge deal. I can't imagine uprooting my whole entire life and going to another country that speaks another language and trying to carve out a living. To me, yeah. it just takes a tremendous amount of courage to be able to do that and not have that support of your family right there with you like a couple hours away i mean you're you are so separated from everything that it, it just it it leaves me in awe that somebody does that i i'm always so surprised you know i can't even imagine so well i mean anybody from any foreign country that comes here you know there's an agenda you know um whether it's religious prosecution, whether it's, right. you know, they know that their lives are going to be more improved when they get here. That's the feeling. That's the dream. That's the goal. You know, whoever you leave behind, you send money back to, you know, once you start getting set up. I mean, that's, that's, you know, that is just basically like the, that. I, I don't want to call it like the, it's the immigrant way, pretty much. It's the immigrant right. way of thinking, you know, it's, you know, we we do everything we can to, to to save up money so we can bring our family over here so they could share um, the experiences that we're sharing. 
and then they can continue practicing the cultures that they've been practicing at home. You know, right. so, so your family, Jamal, your family's from Trinidad, and yeah. to come to America, like you're, you're, um, you you weren't born here, were you? No, I, I was actually born in Trinidad. I moved. To, more... We moved to this country when I was five months. See, so that's, that's... Me. I, I, to bring up an infant. I just, I know how hard it. I mean, I'm a mom. I raised two kids, and as a single mom, I just to take those infants and to move to another country just it leaves me in awe. And I, I'm so, you know, just like humbled by the, the experience that you guys have to do that. Like my, like I said, my grandmother came to America. Our, our grandma came to America and I know that we listen to stories about her, and, you know, mm -hmm. and I've been back home. I've, I've gone to see the family and stuff. And it's, it's just, I can't even, you know, like the trip, like the journey alone is, it's it's but also what it is also uh you know most people that leave that let's say you know you leave your country when you're 20 years old and you move over here um it's kind of like a it's one of those things where it's like okay this is you know my life take two now i got to adjust to american laws i got to adjust to american cultures and the way things are done in america because again you you go from here to another country things are done differently Food is different. Like, there's a lot of different, you know, entertainment is not yes. what you're used to or whatever. I mean, the, every aspect of what you're used to changes when you travel abroad, when you travel overseas. Now, there may be a lot of similarities. Like, when you go to England, you know, there's a lot of, you know, there's they have McDonald's over there. They have this over it's there. But, but they're different. I know, like, but, I've been to countries. I, I, like, I've been to Germany. I've been to Italy. I've been to Ireland. I've been to Copenhagen. <laughs> And I'm telling you that they're all the money. Even Northern Ireland versus the Republic of Ireland, you know, even McDonald's. Like cousin Todd asked me, he he commented the first time I went, the first place that I went to go eat when I went to Italy, I got to Italy is my McDonald's. my niece through osmosis took me to McDonald's. I was like, and why? I was like, <laughs> why the hell? Why? You're in Italy. You know, you're in Italy. You know, you're in Italy. Shouldn't you go to a pasta place or something? Why are you going to McDonald's? <laughs> and it was even ordering at the kiosk was different. The food is like I've eaten fast food uh, in Ireland and in, in Italy. And I'm telling you, a burger is not a burger. You know, a Big Mac is not a Big Mac. I'm no. telling you right now, a quarter pounder is not a quarter pounder. They, they no. make things different. The, the, they, they, uh, they, they cook and prepare the, 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 the product different, like the hamburger and stuff is different. Now, unless you are trying, unless you are using that to compare like, oh, McDonald's in Italy is, you know, better <laughs> or worse. That's like it the only way you, you know, but that's probably like the only way you like, oh my God, this place like has a McDonald's too. Let's go check it out. Let's see. Like, unless you're doing that. Okay, I get that. But if you're like, hey, what are you in the mood for? Um, McDonald's. Why? Because it's better here than in America. I I could see that. I mean, yeah. I could see that. But if you come here, if you if you're like you come home and you're just like, no man, fuck McDonald's. Once I, you try McDonald's in Italy, you don't want to try an American okay, burger, bro. Now like, I'm I'm curious. Uh, uh, Cecile, Indian McDonald's is 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 there a McDonald's in India? There are several, and uh, the the thing is. McDonald's, it's all subjective, first of all, but I feel McDonald's in India is so much better than the U.S. As a vegetarian person, there are so oh. many options here. 
there I are was like gonna so say, many Indian uh, Indianized variants of the burgers in India, and uh, I just feel like they've done a good thing with uh, trying to cater to the local, um, uh, you know, local audience. And I mean, that's why they're they're doing so well. Is, I'm guessing it's not very healthy food, but they know what what the people want locally. Is it is it all plant based okay. at the McDonald's there in India? No, it's not. Uh, there are a lot of vegetarian options. There are a lot of um, uh, meat options as well. Okay. But yeah, I don't think they have. Are, you guys aren't doing ham like burgers, like beef, beef. burgers. Yeah, like we're not doing beef uh, in India. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I didn't I'm think like, so because like yeah, the the cow are, is like a like sacred thing over there. I think. You guys are doing like chickpeas burgers over there, or some kind of. No chickpeas. <laughs> we don't have any chickpeas burgers, so uh, <laughs> there is no uh, red meat in McDonald's. Um, I mean, beyond there's no like I, I'm there's no beyond meat or stuff like that either. It's like uh, they make patties out of vegetables and you know whatnot. It is possible, okay, so, contrary so to hey. American beliefs. So no, no. <laughs> oh, we have those. Like, we have those here. I mean, McDonald's doesn't have the doesn't have the the plant based burgers yet, but uh, other places do. Like Burger King Burger, does, it, Burger King does that. Burger King and 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 I think Jack in the Box have like plant based. Stop and think mm. about it. So, they, I... they, they, in India, if they're doing it as a vegetarian option, and it gets really popular there, they've already got a great working model to yeah. be able mm-hmm. to, to transport it back here to America the, and just increase yes. their. They should have, I think, team-based McDonald's in America as well, like Indian McDonald's. <laughs> <laughs> I saw somebody else talking about that the other day where, like, there's there's uh, products that are popular here in the States, but then those products in other countries have different flavors and or things you, you can't get here in the States because of their regional. Like, Japan is different. Mm-hmm. I know um, my, my niece through Osmosis has got transferred from Italy to Japan, and so that's Okinawa, and that's one of the places that, you know, I guarantee you when I go to visit her there, the first place we're going to go is a McDonald's so that I can, <laughs> I can taste the difference because that's one thing. That's one thing about chain food that you get. The reason why chain food is successful is because you know that if you get a if you get a, a um, quarter pounder in Tacoma, Washington, it's going to taste the exact same in Austin, Texas, as it does in Raleigh, North Carolina, that is as true. it does in New York. That's yeah. why that model works so well is because they syndicate it that it all tastes exactly the same. It may taste like shit, but it's going to taste like the same shit in North Carolina. <laughs> the same grease yeah. stain Mc- on Mc- the McDonald's bun. Hamburg- McDonald's hamburgers in the USA is universally shitty here in the States. <laughs> Exactly. Um, and consistency yeah. counts when you're having shit. Yeah. But you know, and the thing is, though, is, is that you know that that shitty burger, you know what it's going to taste like. You know that if there's that little mom and pop shop right next to it, you have no idea what that shit is yeah. going to taste like. And you get in there and you're like, oh my God, I should have fucking went to McDonald's because at least it tastes like shit, but I know what the shit tastes like and I can survive. There's things on the menu that I can live with. Yeah, but I'm, I'm support. I'm supporting the mom and pop shop, though. Um, first of all, I'm going into the mom and pop shop to be like, who was here first? You were the fucking McDonald's because. <laughs> <laughs> like, 
Who, who owned this block first? You only, or the McDonald's? Only 30 <laughs> minutes in before we started talking about shit and, and whatnot. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's why we're cracking up. <laughs> so that's why. So what does this mean? We, we do not do it intentionally, but almost every single show we talk about shitting <laughs> or something like that, that nature. Because we are just like bottom shit. Like if you thought of like Patron of podcasts, we're we're the monarchs. We're the monarchs. We're that rocket down at the bottom. Yeah, we're the thing about everything. We're the PBR podcast. Eventually, we are. You're in politics. We are the politics. It goes downhill very soon. It becomes shit eventually, and then. So I have to Um, ask. So the other question I have to ask for you, Fischel, is that. You do a podcast. You just started a mm-hmm. podcast, a new podcast. What what kind of topics, what do you what is your theme for your podcast? What do you talk about? Okay, so I think the idea for a podcast came about when um it's been over a year since I quit my job and I'm actually on the path of reinventing myself career wise and trying to figure out what to do next. And I, I love talking to people and uh hearing what they're doing and, and what you know, insights I can get from them and share stories and all of that. So the podcast is called The Reinvention Roadmap because uh, it's uh, the theme is that anyone who is uh, working in in a job that is not satisfactory or doing something that they don't like with their lives can actually reinvent themselves and live a, a fulfilling life through career and, and whatever they want to do. Very true. So, Very true. Yeah. It's it's funny because my sister, um, my older sister, turns fifty five next month, and her and mm-hmm. I have been talking and stuff, and and you know, and one of the things that she's been working the same shit job for like for two different companies for the last thirty years as it, working in insurance, and it's just it's ridiculous. And I'm like, why? Why are you still doing that? You're miserable. You hate it. They're not ever going to promote you. They're not going to give you any more money. You literally could go make more money flipping burgers at McDonald's right now than you can with the job that you've been doing for 30 years. Why are you still there? And so she's actually going to take an early retirement. She bought a motor home and she's going to get the, she'll have it. She'll retire, pay off the motor home and she'll be able to travel and go wherever she wants, which is a, mm-hmm. something that's been her dream forever. And so, and I've, I've just been kind of putting a boot in her ass and kind of pushing her and helping her along with that. But it's finally, you know, she's finally, and sometimes I think it just takes somebody else telling you, why are you still doing this? Why are you still in this, this stupid rut that you're never going to get out of that's not fulfilling and it doesn't even really pay all your bills? Why the fuck are you doing this? You know, cut those, I cut those strings and go somewhere else. Go do something else. Have be willing the difference between me and my sibling is, is that I have the, I have lost that fear of losing everything. Fuck it, I, and I've done pretty well for myself. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I, I humbly say, but I think it's because you have to be willing to, and and, and I, but you have to be willing to cut those strings and take those chances and mm-hmm. break out of that that molds that you've made for yourself. So yeah, that reinventing yourself is. That's amazing. I love that as a concept. It's a, it's a, it's a, you know, it's a really good idea. I think the people, I think a couple of reasons why people um, don't change. And I know you're asking your, your sister that um, number one, 
people just don't like change. Some people, well, I shouldn't say don't like change. They fear change. Right. You know, right. Um, uh, and they, they don't know what it's, they fear change because they're, they're uncertain on, okay, if I quit this job and then how long will I be unemployed trying to find another job or how, uh, or how, how much will my savings last me while I'm trying to find another job or what have you, or am I going to like the same job that I take? You know, I, I get certain freedoms here, but also another reason is it's the devil, you know, you know, yeah, right. Exactly the same thing we were talking about, the McDonald's versus the mom and pop shop. People are, <laughs> right? And it's exactly, it's that full circle. They, they are afraid of change. People are so afraid of change. You know, so I took a, a, a course, it was, a, it was a, this amazing class, and one of the, my previous employers, that's the best thing they ever did for us, was they put us in this, this course called Thought Patterns for Higher Performers. And it was a two-day intensive training. And one of the things that they talked about, Lou Tice, rest his soul, Lou Tice was the one who, who created this training. And one of the things that he talks about is the comfort zone. Like everybody, you, everybody, we all know our comfort zone. We've all heard of our comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And a comfort zone comes from literally, the, the whole terminology comes from the thermostat in your house. If you set the thermostat in your house to 70 degrees, your house will never stay at 72 degrees. It, so it has a variant of 68 to 72. It will never go beyond 68 or 72, but that's that comfort zone. They say, okay, we're gonna stay in this comfort zone right here between 68 and 72. They set the thermostat for 70, that's a variation. And people call it, well, I'm in my comfort zone, but in, in truth, it's really a comfort trap because you're not willing to break out of that comfort trap to find out people don't go for that that next level in their life they don't level up they don't take the next step to their path of success because they're so afraid of stepping out of that comfort trap because they they've been lied to to think it's a comfort zone it's okay you're in your comfort zone don't ask that Todd don't ask that beautiful girl cuz you know you're you're never going to be she'll never admit she'll never say yes if you ask her out to dinner She's never going to say yes. So you stay there in your comfort trap. Jamal, never go to that next level of trying to go to the huge, you know, headline the, the comedy seller because they'll never get you. Know, like all these things that you think about that you want to do, they're going to stuff you back down there because, oh, I can't get out of my comfort zone. I'm so scared. I'm going to stay here. And so for me, one of the things I've been blessed with in life is that I'm constantly having changes in my life. I am constantly, like, and that's what they call gestalt, where they tell you if you want to elevate to the next level, you have to literally tear everything apart, get rid of everything, your comfort trap, get rid of that when you drive to work or you commute to work, stop going the same way every single day because it stifles creativity. It stifles your ability to move on to the next level. Change the route that you're day. Change your change your routine every day so that it keeps you reinvigorated and engaged in life. And when you go through that, what they call gestalt, and you tear everything apart, you have to to break that comfort trap. And then you can bring it back together at a next level. You can start leveling up your life and continuing to reinvent yourself. Yeah, basically, okay. in layman, basically in layman's terms, quit fucking your girlfriend in the same sexual position over yes. and over and over again. 
Yes. Change that shit up, yo. Yes. You know. I think it's boring as hell. Sometimes you gotta flip it, smack it, you know, pound it. Yes, yes. Put her on. Sometimes her you just got you gotta carry you gotta carry her around the living room, yo. Sometimes yeah, I just carry her around the living room. There should anyway. be wet spots on every single couch you have well, in your living room. Sorry, Captain Todd. I know you're making you uncomfortable, but yes. I think this is what she's actually going. There this is what I'm hearing at least. Spot on his side of the bed for a chance, damn it. Yeah, I mean, what the hell? You, no, so I'm not giving you the pussy. I am not giving you the booty tonight. Why? Because <laughs> every like, I don't care if I'm ass up or ass down. It's the same spot. Let's move like, it over to your side of the bed for a change, damn basically, it. Basically, let's move it to falling, your ass. If, if, bring out if, the strap ones. If, yeah, shit's not, if shit's not falling from the ceilings, you're not doing it right, bro. Like, that's where that's where we're at in life now, man. That that gotta, that, that gives Peg Bendy a whole new mini meaning. I mean, you gotta you gotta you know twist her around. You gotta. If she's not a pretzel at the end of the first few sessions, you're not you're not doing it right, man. And I agree with you, Marianne. I think you have to. Uh, you know, sometimes you do have to like take that new route to work, you know, take that scenic route to work or um, do something different. You know, sometimes what I like to do is when I come home, I like I work two jobs. So sometimes when I'm when I'm coming home from like a long ass day, OK, I'm coming straight home. I'm going to I'm gonna, no. Sometimes I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to go stop by a store. and I'm going to get me a drink. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like I, I, I've earned this. I'm going to. Or I will have a bottle of wine, or like my 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 nightly routine. I try to change it up depending on how my day is because it's like I had a good day today. I didn't have to, you know, um, I, I wasn't stressed out today. Let me, you know, have like a nice bottle of red, uh, a white so, wine. So you're not gonna pretend to have one of those wine glasses that's actually attached to a bottle and say you're having just one glass. You just said I'm yeah, gonna no, have the whole actually, bottle. Did you know me? I drink from the bottle. Well, actually, no. I don't. I, I'm a classy guy. I actually have a, like a wine, like glass or whatever, and I usually drink it on the podcast. Today, I decided not to drink on the podcast today because I'm just like my day was pretty good, and well, I guess it depends on perspective. But you know, I was like, I don't think I'm gonna drink on the podcast today. And usually, I don't make that decision until like I'm walking home from the train. Like, do I want to stop at the liquor store and get like a? Do I want to do like a Jack and Coke kind of a thing on the podcast? Nah, you know what? <laughs> I took a nap. That's what I did. That was my alcohol. I got drunk on napping because I still have to pack Jamal, my show. welcome to your 40s. <laughs> yeah. oh. Oh, <laughs> you like, okay, we're all, wait, Shashil, how old are you? Uh, I'm 32. And it's, um, God damn it. He's, he's <laughs> the, you're the, you're the youngest one here, dude. The room, actually. Okay, so everybody but Sashil. Um, we're, we're all 40 and over, and Sashil, you could look at this as like an eight-year, like, you know, um, like thought, something to think about. Like, because I work with a bunch of dudes that are like, I, I, I think I'm the youngest at my, one of the youngest at my job. And, you know, the, 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 one of the questions was, do you feel less do you feel younger or do you feel just as young as you did when you were like in your 30s or like you know or do you feel like you're actually your age for our radio audience marianne is shaking her head to a point where it looks like it's about to fall off her shoulder she's like yes like, yes yes yeah, i'm old i'm telling you i am old and i i feel it some days more so than others and yeah. really okay you know, well yeah 
Well, you know, define define like give give us an example because now I'm scared. But give us an example. Well, some of the things. Well, for for me personally, one of the things that, and I I think this is, uh, um, I don't know. I think uh, I've been really struggling with like middle age and and knowing that my children are grown and gone and I don't get that back and. You know, that I'm not going to watch, you know, like, so for me, it's been kind of, that's been a bit of a struggle and, you know, being my age and trying to, um, I recently separated from my company, so I'm, I'm unemployed. And so I've been really, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so for me to be looking for work at my age is actually a benefit in my field being the age that I am, but it's still, I mean, I don't have that recovery time as I used to. I remember like when I was a, a kid and, uh, you know, like when I was younger and mom, we watched my kids and she's like, yeah, we're going to go out and we'd get up, be up at six o'clock in the morning and be able to be up until two, three o'clock in the, in the next morning and then get like two, three hours sleep and then bounce back up. And I'm like, now I'm like, fuck that shit. Yeah. I need my <sighs> sleep. And I just don't have that same recovery or the energy that I did. Yeah. You know? For for me, because I just I just turned fifty like a few weeks ago, and uh, in the last five years, I've woken up going, "What the fuck happened? Why does my body hurt that in that specific place? <laughs> Why?" Yeah. And most of that is just letting ourselves go and not not exercising and not trying to to really take care. It's of it's stuff. it's all that McDonald's. Yeah, <laughs> it's all that red meat that we're eating. Right, but that and, you know, and it's true though. Even our diet does, t- you know, like when we were a kid, we could eat a box of candy and not even think twice about it and be off and running. And yeah. nowadays, you're like, holy shit, you know, that just about killed me. And yeah. no, no, I, I, I th- and I think about that too. Like back in the day, when I was in when I was in high school, my biggest vice was Little Debbie snack cakes. Like if I found change in the cushion of the couch, oh, I'm going to the corner store. You know, I'm taking that, you know, three minute walk to the corner store. I am buying swish rolls and I'm buying brownies and I'm bringing it back to and I'm stuffing. Actually, I'm not even I'm stuffing my face there and eating the rest that I can't, you know, finish. But then at the same time, you know, I was I was an athlete. So I was always like jogging, running or doing like some kind of exercise. Nowadays, right. it's like I see kids stuffing their face with this stuff, and they just sit on Facebook for like three hours right. or play or like TikTok, games, yeah. And, yeah. You know, and it's like okay, so, so, so it's just like I, I'm very, I take comfort in knowing that I got to play outside. Right. You know, like I, there was this thing called outside, and we we did that shit. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I can't speak for guys like you know these 32 year olds nowadays. You know, I can't speak for them, and but they're with. What, what that was like for that. I, I don't think but you can even speak for him, if it regardless of his better, age, because I he's like I was sixty in my twenties. How old are you right now? How old are you? Like because I had like chronic illness and and um, I mean it's been a, it was always a struggle with um, autoimmune disease and joint pain and whatnot in my in my twenties oh, and I, I made it much worse by uh, you know this uh, victim mindset that oh why is this happening to me and uh, I kind of just like became like a total um, stoner you know like uh, I would be like high like 24-7 pretty much uh, and and 
pot being legal in Seattle, right? Uh, to kind of use it as an excuse. And um, I think uh, it's just that on some level, right, it's also like um, if you feel like something, you have been dealt a shit hand and, and you kind of make it worse by uh, your the way you treat yourself, right? I think it makes it much worse. I feel somewhat better than I used to in my 20s now. I, I'm not saying that I feel like Superman or something and, you know, like I'm... Like dodging bullets and he's, shit. And he's, he's super I do meh. That, <laughs> <laughs> I'm super <laughs> meh. Super <laughs> meh. Feels like super meh. Whoa, my joint. No, that's my hip. Oh, my that was back. my hip. Ow. No, you know what? It's, it's, it's weird because like... It's super meh. I, I will wake up sometimes feeling... Like I'll wake up in pain and I'm just like, wait, like... The only thing that I can think of is like I slept walk and like bumped into like the table or something like that's the, that's the only thing that I could think of because I, I go to the gym, I work out, I run, I, I do whatever I can to stay fit because even though I don't have them and I'm thinking about getting them, I want children one day and I want to be able to pick my son or daughter up without her being like, oh, you, you're old because that's what my niece does. Like I pick up my niece and. Shut up. Um, <laughs> it's too late. Your niece is already like, saying I'll... it. Your kids are going to say it too. No, no, no. First oh. of all, it, she eats well. So I think she's getting bigger. And it's just like, oh, wow. like that's what it is. Like, I, I don't want to be like, hey, you're getting fatter. Like, what's wrong with you? Like, why aren't you at the gym or whatever? No, my niece is getting big. And I pick her up and I'm just like, Oh wow, because I'm so used to picking up, picking her up, and she's light, and I can just like throw her around or whatever. But you know, when I pick her up and I grunt and I start like passing window or whatever because like she's heavier, <laughs> I'm just like, oh my god, like you are heavier now than you were when you came over. And I, you know, I'm like, oh, you're not even wearing a backpack. That's why. Oh shit, you are actually, you know. So it's either she's getting bigger or I'm getting weaker. But I'm just like, I, I, I don't want to get to a point where I cannot hold my kids or play with them so i'm just like i'm like wow i, I really need to well i, I, I think to, she's at know. the age where you you don't pick her up anymore and, and like toss her around the room like she's a a rag doll you know she's but, well, you know and she's you're, like you're six right. or seven right? i use that as an ex- yeah she just turned seven so i think to myself you know what maybe this is god's way of saying yeah, that's not going to happen. Yeah. Um, because she, she's going to get bigger. Like you know, when she's eight years old, she's going to be you know, I mean, eight years old. You can't. This it is, could only be so much. I'm this like, is when hey, parents stop saying. TV. This is when parents start saying, "Yeah, I'm not picking you up. You're too old for that." <laughs> too big yeah. for that. Too, yeah. Too big yeah. for that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, go jump rope or something. <laughs> yeah. So, what inspired you to become a comedian, Shashil? Yeah, how did that happen? How did that evolve? So the thing is that I always saw a lot of uh, American TV shows growing up um, in um, in India as well. We used to get like um, Seinfeld uh, on TV when I was like a, a twelve years old or so, and and I I loved that show uh, instantly. I know now I think people are like, oh, you should not what Seinfeld it is so outdated and whatnot and it's stupid but when I was a, when I was growing up I would I would sit on sit in my living room watch the TV and then I saw this uh, one episode where Jerry is doing this bit about like uh, 
the the dryer being like uh, a nightclub for clothes and <laughs> <laughs> i found that i found that bit to be very funny because he's like uh you know there is like a uh, a napkin grabbing a sock and dancing with it and you know they're like dancing and oh man that's um, too funny he did this entire yeah he did this bit and uh, then it gets into the how, how the socks are trying to escape and the the entire audience was laughing really loud and loud and i felt uh, wow that's an amazing skill to make like an entire room of people laugh and have them entranced just by making jokes or observations and i felt like maybe i want to do that someday because i used to make these dad jokes and these silly observations all the time in in school and most times people would be like oh god how could you like you know come up with that but there's mm-hmm. this um, there's this background thread in my head um where i'm always thinking of a joke or something or it's just running it makes me a bad listener sometimes but it's also what you know, makes the comedy uh and i i tried comedy for the first time in college um and it it felt really good although it was supposed to be uh they told me that oh you know what the band is going to be getting ready behind the curtain we need someone to like fill the time it didn't seem very glorious at the time it was like you have you have 5 to 7 minutes uh we need you to entertain the crowd everyone was there to see the band and all the really talented people i'm doing air quotes for people who aren't watching uh, who can't uh, see this but uh the musicians the dancers and everyone who is considered to have talent is getting ready behind the curtain so you have to entertain them mm-hmm. and it was 900 people in in the auditorium at the time first time i did comedy and wow. so you, you you your first time doing comedy was in front of 900 people yes and not was... even at a comedy club no wow. it was in college and, and and it's brutal because like there are all these um uh, you know these students from uh, these juniors and these seniors uh who are like just there to pass snide remarks and comments and boo and heckle and and what not and i started off like bombing pretty bad and then uh then there were some impressions some jokes that really hit it off and everyone was laughing so it felt really good and um i felt yeah i want to do this but it's been an up and down journey for me i've been like battling that uncertainty and the fear of going up on stage ever since for a long time yeah so, so, so what time, i think every time before you get on stage in the beginning until you probably have a countless number show and, and still sometimes every single time it's still that battle of okay i can do this i in that self talk of being able to get yourself up there and say okay i yeah. have something to say and it's funny and it's not like until you get that first laugh it's kind of nerve-wracking yeah it is yeah feels very alone on stage when when there's in the silence right and then yeah. you're just like staring like a deer in the headlights and shit I'm right now you're like is <laughs> is it worse that there's no sound or is it worse that they're booing <laughs> you know <laughs> you know i was like you're getting a reaction if they're booing but sometimes the worst like the everybody I'll tell you the worst crowd to ever perform for is a room full of comedians yeah, and the reason laugh. why it's not because they're, that they're not it's not that they don't think you're funny is a lot of times they're they're analyzing right they're analyzing the words that you're saying how you're saying it your movement 
And they're also thinking, well, you know what? If they put this tag on there or if they change that word to right. this word, they're, that they're would editing so in their head. Yeah. Yeah. And so it's more of an analytical crowd. Literally, it's they're analyzing right. everything. And it makes it, it's, and, it's, and so it can be very intimidating, especially, you know, people when they're trying, or they, it could be at an open mic full of other open micers who, again, are trying to segregate people and trying to find ways to elevate themselves. And you have the comics that go, I'm a comedian, they're just open micers. You know, that, that class yeah. segregation uh, again, oh, they're not funny, fuck them, they're just little open micers. Don't yeah, ignore them. Oh, and open micers are, are, are seen as is, is hobbyists. They're not, yes. like, they're not into it. But, yeah. but the thing is, though, is, is for a comedian, we understand the, the, the grind. We understand the time in performance that you have to put in be, and not go, okay, I'm done. I'm not doing this again. I just can't handle this. Because there's a lot of people who fall by the wayside. They go, oh, yeah. I'm a comedian. I've, done five, I've gotten on stage five times. So, so, so this 900 room that you did, was it here in the States or was it over there in India? Thanks for tuning into another episode of It's Not About You with Jamal, Marianne, and Cousin Todd. Be sure to check them out on all their social medias at Not About You Pod.